Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Tuesday uh, to you and yours. Uh, we have a very uh, special edition of uh, Fearless with Jason Whitlock today. It's going to be me, you, and one of the greatest basketball players of all time, uh, Utah jazz legend John Stockton is going to join us. Uh, John uh, has had a very, you know, obviously decorated, celebrated NBA basketball career. Uh, his Gonzaga college basketball team that he kind of got started in the early 80s is now a national powerhouse and the number one ranked team in the country, the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They're in the Sweet 16. Uh, Perhaps you've heard that John at one point this season was suspended uh, from being a season ticket holder at Gonzaga because of his refusal to take the vaccine and or wear a mask. And we'll talk with him about that. But there's so much uh, to John Stockton that here he is, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And there's actual debate. Is he the greatest athlete in his own family? Uh, John's dad played in the NFL. His mother was a uh, volleyball star at Gonzaga. His brothers were athletes. His kids are athletes. Uh, I think John has the title of the greatest athlete in his family, but I would imagine when the family gets together, there's probably vigorous debate. And so uh, we'll bring in John and we'll start there. John, are you the best athlete in your own family? Well, I, I think the father time has a lot to say in that. I don't know if we'll ever be able to answer that question because right now when I go play with my kids, it's it's ugly for me. And uh, so <laughs> I can talk all I want, but I can't back it up. Tell me this. Your dad was a professional football player. What, what position? Tell me a little bit about his career and your mom's career as a volleyball player. Well, it was actually my grandfather. Uh, my my dad owned oh, a bar. grandfather. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, my dad ran Jack and Nance Tavern for 49 years, and he's my idol. And uh, you know, so that's pretty special to me. My grandfather, I didn't know as well. He played football back in the 20s, and they won the world championship with the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, which eventually became the Philadelphia Eagles. And um, yeah, they beat the Chicago Bears six times, undefeated season. He was a what they call a triple threat halfback and threw the winning touchdown to two bits Holman. So uh, kind of gives you an idea of the family history a little bit. Wow. Uh, listen, one of your sons, I believe Michael uh, was playing basketball in the Ukraine and yeah. actually left the Ukraine a week or two before uh, the hostilities broke out. Uh, I'm sure that probably gives you a little bit of a unique perspective on what's going on between Ukraine and Russia. What are your sons thought? What has he told you about the country? What's he told you about the conflict? Well, right up to the very time where the, uh, the consulate moved, it was business as usual. In fact, he played an away game closer to, uh, closer to the initial strife area. Um, he played very close to there a day before he left. And so uh, when the when the consulate left, that was kind of his warning call. That's your safety net's gone. And uh, he was able to get out pretty much no problem. It wasn't very long afterwards, maybe two days afterwards, travel started getting a little bit more difficult. Um, the scare got a little more difficult. And then about, I think, I think uh, actual battles started maybe eight days after he left. But he dodged, the, he dodged most of it. But like you said, they were, 
very calm about it. Um, all the locals were calm about it. They just, there wasn't much concern that it would ever escalate into something big. Tell me this, John, because I believe three or four of your kids have lived in Germany at some point. You had a son again to play in the Ukraine. When, when you have kids that are citizens of the world, how, how does that affect your perception of America and the blessings we have here in America? Uh, I don't know. How, how does it, you know, a family that lives kind of all over the world, how does that change your perspective about America or strengthen your perspective? Yeah, it's it's a great question. It's probably deeper than even that. It's uh, I, I didn't plan on really traveling much uh, when I was finished playing and these these kids by going over and playing. I think I've had uh, four of the six of our six kids have played overseas and um, to get a chance to go meet people on their home turf uh, and, and and get to enjoy people where you where it isn't the language of our choice. You know where we're the we're the outsiders coming in and, and, and to have to and, and want to adapt and try to learn the language, try to be able to communicate with them and learn what they, how they live. It's just been a phenomenal experience, not just for them being over there for a year and having to, or years and having to um, work and live that way. But just even as a visitor, um, there's a lot of good people all around the world. And it's, it's been fun to, to go through that experience really over and over again. All right. Well, Thinking about an experience that you're an expert on, uh, Gonzaga basketball. You were there when it was a nice little story and they had a kid named John Stockton there that the Utah Jazz drafted, to now being, you almost, they've kind of overtaken Duke and particularly with Coach K ret retiring, Mark Few and Gonzaga are, it's the premier college basketball dynasty going in the country. Uh, that evolution, watching it with your own eyes, being at the foundation of that, what has that been like? Well, I think I was probably pre-foundation. They, uh, they didn't get it started for a number of years after we were gone, but uh, it's been special. I remember when we sat there at the final four and then the, the championship game against North Carolina was at four or five years ago. I, I looked at all a bunch of my ex teammates and a bunch of guys that have been playing for Gonzaga since. And we looked at each other like, wow, can you believe, can you believe we're here? Can you believe we're watching this? I mean, it, it was beyond all of our wildest imaginations. And yet here we are, they've done it a couple of times and they're, they're certainly in the hunt this year to do it as well. And I, I don't know. I from the humble beginnings we've had, where we didn't have a single towel in our locker room, we showered in the intramural room. We had to go through a door to shower in the intramural room. To what they're experiencing now, it's a night and day difference. How did it happen? Why were they able and you guys able to retain Mark Few? I think most of us thought, well, surely he's going to go to one of these power conferences, get this huge payday, and. Uh, you know, chase the dream. What there must be something unique about the school, that area, and about the level of support coming from guys like yourself that uh, allowed you guys to retain Mark View. Well, I think it has to be mutual. He has to want to stay here. I don't think uh, I'm sure he can make money going elsewhere. More money. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of offers out there probably every year. Um, but he, I think he finds a value in the community. I mean, it's, it, it, it's a special community that I think it was special even way back when, when I played here and we weren't big time. 
Uh, but that community stayed pretty solid and, uh, and he's part of it. His family's part of it. And yeah, I, I, it has can be kind of by mutual consent. Obviously they, uh, it, the school has stepped up for him over and over again, and he's done nothing but reward them with victories and, and, and they're doing it the right way too. I mean, it's, they, they get great kids here. I get a chance to meet them every year. Sometimes I get a chance to play with them and they, they're just great kids, uh, first and great players on top of it. So I like where they're going. I like how they've been heading for years. All right. So you said you get to occasionally play with them. So you can still hold your own a little bit with these college kids. You're not getting embarrassed out there. Well, I don't know about if, if I have to guard guys in open space, I'm in pretty big trouble. I'll tell you that right now. But it's, uh, you know, I probably already forgot things they haven't learned yet. And uh, that can kind of keep me in the game a little bit. But, uh, you know, all in all, it's pretty ugly if it ever gets to a one on one matchup. I'll tell you that. All right. Uh, let's transition a little bit. You love Gonzaga. Uh, at some point this year, your season tickets were suspended over the COVID vaccine and, and not cooperating with or, or going along and getting along. Again, I, just to be clear, I pass no judgment on you. I don't believe we should be forcing these vaccines or any of this on anybody, but uh, what is the status of your relationship with Gonzaga right now? Well, I think you can look at Gonzaga as an institution and then you can look at Gonzaga, the, all the people that I work with and know uh, on a daily basis. And that relationship hasn't changed. The, the personal relationship hasn't changed. Um, they felt that I was a public figure, at least the higher ups. I, I don't, I, again, it didn't come from the guys I work with every day uh, or, or often. Um, somewhere up there, I, I, I was too visible to not wear a mask. And it, it put people, put them on the spot they felt and, and they couldn't have it. And, and I said, look, I can't wear a mask. Uh, I'm opposed to you making these kids wear a mask. I'm opposed to you making these kids across from me. I stare at the whole student body every game. And for them to have any, any vaccine mandate, but especially the COVID so-called vaccine, to have that mandated and have them have to wear masks and to stare across the, the court at them every day, I, I felt like I had a duty to, to, to not. Um, you know, somebody's got to stand up for these kids. And, um, so anyway, I, I held my ground, they held theirs and, and we, we agreed to part ways for the time being and, and, uh, all friendly, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intending to be a Zag fan and a, a supporter of the games when these things clear, but, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how you can, how a person like me could stand there and, and just join the party. And so listening to your answer, it's, it doesn't sound it's as much about you wearing the mask as standing on the principle. Why are you doing this to these young people? You were trying to make a point. It wasn't just about your own personal comfort. It was about forcing this on young people. Well, it's both. Um, I, mean, I put on the mask. I, I can't breathe in those things. I, I think they're, I think they're unhealthy for us. Uh, Almost, almost without exception, I think Anthony Fauci wrote a letter to that effect in 2007 that said uh, it was probably the cause of the Spanish flu was undiagnosed pneumonia caused by mask wearing. And so, I mean, there, there's plenty of proof out there that these aren't healthy for you. There's plenty of proof out there that, that they don't stop the virus. It's, it, the particles of a virus are too small. They, they don't impact it one way or the other. And yet here we are and we're breathing whatever is attached to them. If there's disinfectants or anti uh, flame retardants 
um, the, 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 whatever it takes to manufacture them in the first place, you're inhaling them closely. You can't take a deep breath, which if you've ever heard a rib, that's one of the things the doctors say is take, you know, big, deep breaths so you don't get pneumonia. And yet here we are all breathing shallowly. We're all trying to take in deep breaths through, through a mask. It, it's unhealthy. And so it's both personal. And when it came down to that decision, they said, well, look, just put the mask on. It's, it's an easy way to, to make this work. And I'm saying, no, we can't give in to the masks. We shouldn't be giving in to the testing. The testing uh, is absurd as well. It's, it doesn't even test for COVID. Uh, they're inaccurate. More than, more than half of them are inaccurate uh, uh, results anyway. So, so we can't give into it just to avoid the big devil, which is the vaccine. And, um, you know, again, you have, to make, you have to make little stands. And for me, it was, it was season tickets. Pretty small, frankly, Jason. Uh, that's a small deal. There's people that, that lost their, their livelihoods. In, in my hometown, lost their livelihoods, their businesses, their savings, all because somebody can stand over them and say, you have to do this. And, and to me, this is America, and, and we can't tolerate that. So, you know, it's my little stand, and you're giving me an opportunity to speak it more loudly, but it's, it's just a very small stand in my own little community. John, I think a lot of people looking at you take this stance, and today listening to you speak this strongly. It's like, man, that's John Stockton. You know, he's a by the book, you know, company guy or whatever. And and I don't think I ever had that perception of you. What, what, what I always thought of watching you as a player, and I never heard you talk about it, but I was like, whoo, that's a man of strong convictions. The way that he carries himself on the court and always seems composed it just made me, that's a man of strong convictions. And I speculated that, that those convictions were based in faith. And so it doesn't really surprise me. Push comes to shove. You're going to push back. So I, I'm not really surprised by this, but I would imagine other people maybe, and maybe even the people at Gonzaga were surprised that you bowled your back on this issue that, you know, John Stockton's only going to move so far. And this mass thing is a line in the sand with him. Were, were people at Gonzaga surprised at your pushback? Um, I think, well, who knows what people are thinking? You walk down the aisle, you don't have the mask on. I'm certain there were people in the stands that were saying, wow, who does that guy think he is? You know, does he think he's bigger than the program? Um, uh, he's just trying to big time it. Uh, I'm sure there was some of that. Uh, I'm sure there was some of that saying, wow, I wish I wish I could do that. None of us should be wearing the mask, but I don't want to lose my tickets. Um, I don't want to miss the games. You know, there's there's something being held over everybody, maybe in the world. It's it's jobs are being held over our heads or, or relationships or uh, ex experiences with our kids or grandkids. Um, Something is it has got everybody kind of saying, "Well, I don't know if I can, if I can push this. I, I can't be, I can't risk my job. I have to feed my kids. I can't risk my kids having a place to go to school. I can't risk seeing my grandkids if my if my own kids were scared to you know to have somebody unvaccinated around their children. I mean, there's something held over everybody, and so um, you know." The, the, Something's got to give. And I don't think we can just sit there. And you're right. I am a man of conviction. I, I grew up a Catholic, my uh, raised raised by my parents, but also I was backed by the nuns at school. And and uh, 
you know, certainly religion has been part of my life throughout my life and it's a great foundation. I think it does help in dealing with all these things moving forward. Have you had COVID or anyone close to you had COVID and had a difficult time with COVID? I, I, I had something that caused me to lose my taste. I didn't test for it. Um, um, I was mildly sick. You know, it would have been nothing, nothing cool. I wouldn't have missed a game for it. I wouldn't have missed a practice for it. I wouldn't have missed going to school for it. Um, You know, I just didn't feel that great. And I lost taste. So I I guess by the modern standard, you could arguably say that I had it. Um, I feel pretty confident that I've had it or I've dealt with it one way or another. The immune system's an amazing creature, really. We are. Humans are amazing creatures, and our immune systems can handle things. Most of us will come in contact, get it, not show any ill effects at all. Some of us will have ill effects. Some of us will get really sick. But I don't think it's the virus. Viruses, uh, the viruses don't benefit by wiping out their host. You know, um, I think we should be more scared of chemicals and chemicals being you know, the shots, stuff in our food, the stuff that we use to sterilize doorknobs and desks and walls and air. And uh, I think those things are way more risk to our health than a virus. Uh, John, I I agree with you. And I've certainly argued that uh, particularly for young people, athletes, uh, the, the vaccine just isn't for them. And there's just no justification, I I think, for overweight people like yours truly uh, and people over 50 or 60 years old. Maybe you should consider the vaccine. But the number one thing you should consider is getting in better health. uh, One of my co-workers here, Uncle Jimmy, Jimmy Dodds, he he got covid in August and it shook me up because he had a bad time with it. And it made me have to start really addressing like lifestyle and things that I was doing to put myself at risk. And so I've really worked on my exercise and diet and I've been losing weight. I think that's the best strategy. And so when I look at a guy like Kyrie Irvin, for instance, uh, and what he it makes perfect sense to me. He's in perfect relative health compared to the rest of the planet. He's young. There's just no reason for him to take this vaccine and introduce an experimental medical trial into his body. Uh, I'm wondering if you've had an opportunity to reach out and show any kind of support to Kyrie Irving and what do you think of what he's doing? I have tried to reach out to him as it was with me when I was playing, very difficult to reach. Um, I've tried through a couple avenues to try to reach him and, and I have, I think, I mean, who knows what's printed places. I hear that, that I've been, um, out in papers in support of, of him taking that stand. And at least I hope I have, I hope he's heard it. Uh, cause I mean, it's similar, similarly, th- similarly with Aaron Rodgers and anybody else that's spoken out. There's, uh, they're taking real risks. I mean, we talked about the risks a little while ago uh, with their careers. Well, with their advertisements, these guys have these guys have opportunities to do ads and make a lot of money, and they're risking all of that when you speak out against the narrative. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 if you didn't hear it before, I'm backing him now. If Aaron didn't hear it before, I'm backing him now. The other guys that have spoken out, even if they're questioning it, look, I don't, I, I'm not 
strong enough to sit there and say, listen, nobody should get the vaccine. But if you're going to ask me, I think nobody should get it. It's not even a vaccine. It doesn't prevent illness. It doesn't prevent the spread of illness. And yet the advertisements that our state spends $100 million on this year to uh, to push this experimental, this test drug, um, they push it and it doesn't prevent or prevent the illness or keep you from passing on. What's the point? I mean, if it doesn't work, why would you mandate it? And why would you mandate it to kids who literally have a statistical zero risk of getting it? These athletes of getting of, of dying from it. They have even the professional athletes. They have nearly zero statistical risk of being harmed by it. And yet, I now have a list of, of hundreds of, of athletes around the world that are vaccinated that have dropped dead on the on the field. And so, you know, we have to take a look at this. And people need don't trust me. I mean, I'm not expecting to believe me anymore. Next, you should expect me to believe what I read on the news or in the newspaper. Go look for yourself. The, these people are having a hard time and they're vaccinated. And so it at least begs the question, what is going on? And to look a little bit closer at the subject rather than just believe what we're seeing on TV every day. Tell me this, is your view driven by the independent research you've done yourself, just reading up as much as you can on this, or is it driven by your spiritual beliefs and your belief in God's design? And it's, it's, it's a gut instinct more than, hey, I've read up both sides of this, or, or certainly the, the people arguing hesitancy. I've done a lot of research. Or is it just a gut feeling about like, hey, man, God designed an immune system that works if we just get out of its way? <laughs> yeah, I think that goes back to the very core. I, and I do believe that. I mean, this, this our, our bodies are amazing. And, and where they go awry is when we put false things into it. We put, you know, vaccines from the time kids getting out of getting out of the hospital these days have more vaccines than I took in my lifetime. And the, the health of children is just depleting. It's, I think, used to be 10% chronic illness. Now it's around 54% chronic illness. There was three vaccines when I was a kid. There's 72 or more now. Uh, many, many, many of them are on the schedule for kids. So, yeah, I mean, there's, it's been all of the above. So that, that gut feeling, as you mentioned, a lot of years of being kind of tracking. Uh, hey, I had kids that went through this. We started by vaccinating the, the first three of them. Then you learn, and then if you, one doesn't quite feel right, and then you see a child react to it a little bit. Uh, thankfully, nothing like nothing like you know the people, the hundreds of thousands of parents that have said, "Look, my my kid took the vaccine and became autistic the next day." You can't discount what these people are saying. So you start looking at it over and over again. You do a lot of reading by yourself uh, in the background on a lot of subjects having to do with health. And uh, so it's it's an aggregate of all that. So, yeah, I've, I've done my own homework, um, a lot of reading. And then, again, I think we all do trust people, too. There's Robert Kennedy's done some amazing stuff and he's written a book, um, The Real Anthony Fauci, which which spells out a lot of this stuff. And I'd recommend it reading for everybody, even if you're even if you're pro vaccine, just to kind of see where you might stand. It's Children's Health Defense is a group that he started their, their information comes out every day. Um, they share the information. Take a look at it, even if you're on the other side, and see where your, your belief systems last and where they don't. 
All right, let me tell you about our good friends at Good Ranchers. You need to check out our friends over at Good Ranchers. They sell amazing ribeyes, T-bones, New York strips, chicken and seafood that are sourced 100% from American farms and ranches. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of grocery shopping. They make mealtime easy, convenient, and less stressful. And more importantly, it can be delivered to you right in the comfort of your own home. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to save on the quality you've been looking for. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of grocery store by sourcing everything from local farms and shipping it to your door. Right now, use my code FEARLESS and enjoy a $30 savings on your box of 100% American meat. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers American Meat Delivered. My mother is so thrilled. I sent her a box of Good Ranchers and she is pleased as punch with me. Mm. Stick with me, uh, more John Stockton. Thanks. John, if, if I'm right, one of your sons was in the G League or D League, I don't know what they're calling it now, uh, during in the past calendar year or so, and was actually impacted by the pressure to vaccine and the, all the protocols or whatever. A am I right on that, that one of your kids was involved in the NBA and, and you know, stayed the court. I'm sure did, did he take the vaccine or, or how did he handle that? Well, first, Jason, I, I'm real hesitant to, to speak for my kids. These are grown men and women now and, and, and they need, they, they speak for themselves. So I, I don't want to say whether he has or hasn't none of that stuff. I do know that if you're, if you're unvaccinated, um, family can't come with you. Uh, you you can't go in and do or haven't been able to. That may have changed here in the last week or so. You haven't been able to be in the weight room with the rest of the team. When the the parent team is in is in the gym, you can't be in the gym. So it's been very restrictive. And then to to any time to be. I, I remember how it was just when I went on road trips and I missed my family so much. The kids that you miss so much with them and literally by by design. Um, they would have to vaccinate, he'd have to vaccinate his entire family, including his kids in order to have them with him there. And to me, that, that just seems wrong. Again, it's, it's not American. I mean, it's, I, I, I think most people, including the NBA have said, well, we're not actually mandating it because we're giving you outs. We're giving you a religious exemption or we're giving you something or else. And, and just the thought of that, and you, you've mentioned spirituality and stuff, to imagine that you have to write a letter and prove your religious fervor to somebody sitting in an office um, to determine that for you. That's nobody's business. I mean, in the United States of America, it's none of your business what my religious beliefs are. If I say I have a religious objection, that's it. They've eliminated philosophical or, or uh, personal objection, which existed before 2020, I can get into that whole thing too, how it, how it, how it related to the mumps vaccine, MMR vaccine. But um, we used to have three. Now medicine, if you have a pre-existing condition, that used to be an excuse not to get a vaccine. Now it is a prerequisite. Now if you have a pre-existing condition, you need for your safety and the safety of people around you, you need to get the shot. That doesn't make sense. Why is philosophical just wiped off the table? We don't get to think for ourselves anymore, I guess. Uh, so I know it, it's a scary time, Jason, and, and whoever's pulling the strings on it, it's a scary time. John, I, I think you're wise enough to know 
that, you know, what you said in the past has made people attack you. What you're saying today is going to make people attack you. And it's kind of funny because during your 19 year NBA career uh, and, and throughout your 10, 15, 20 years of retirement, however long it's been, no one had a bad word to say about John Stockton until <laughs> he's, he questioned COVID and the vaccines and masking. How have you felt with or dealt with the personal attacks towards you? You're an anti-vaxxer. You're now a dumb jock uh, talking out of his yin yang. How do you respond to that? Well, um, first of all, I've never, I've never been much of a he said, she said type guy. You know, I, I don't read the newspapers. Um, I don't have social media. Uh, so you know, my relationships are personal. They're face to face. And it's funny how people, people can't say rotten things to you face to face very often. It's, it's uh, a trade I learned from my dad. My brother, my older brother is in the business world. And if you just go talk to people, you find out how much common ground you have. And so, um, yeah, I may take the attacks out there, but if I do, that's, this is a cause worth it. You know, I look at my grandson wearing a mask to school every, every day, unacceptable, just unacceptable. And, um, I see across, I mentioned the kids at Gonzaga. I look across at these kids that have to either be vaccinated or they have to, um, plead with somebody in an office that they have, uh, religious beliefs that, that suggest they don't need to do it. That's wrong. So if we don't stand up for what's wrong and take some hits, then what are we here for? That's what, that's what we're here for. I'm an old guy now. I'm almost 60. Uh, if we're not here to stand up for these young people and help them out, they don't know any better. They're, they're concentrating on school. They're concentrating on jobs, on finding a spouse, or, or, or some of them have them or raising a family. They don't have time to do what I have the time to do. If I don't share it, then I, I'm worthless. So, um, you know, it, it's... It's something I think we not only can do, but should do. John, there's there's a story that I read where you were quoted or they were quoting you as saying hundreds of athletes have died because of the covid vaccination. And I think you're talking about the soccer players uh, around the world that have, you know, who knows what they're attributed to. But there's a lot of people that believe uh, the vaccines have had a particular impact on on soccer players. Do, do you regret at all uh, making that statement? Not at all. No, I mean, it's people are acting like it's not happening. Uh, the people that are hollering are acting like it's not happening. And, and, you know, unless you autopsy every one of these guys after they've, they've passed, I mean, that's a tragedy. You think about that tragedy is for each member, each person, first of all, but also their families, their loved ones, their teams, everybody they've been associated with. Uh, I've seen the list. I mean, I've seen the list and I've seen it expand. It's I have 10 pages of print so small, I need a magnifying glass to read it. And unless you're going to autopsy every last one of them, you're not, you're not going to be able to say, look, it's definitely, definitely because of that vaccine. But you can read vaccinated, 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 uh, unparalleled level of deaths amongst healthy people. The the It's showing up in insurance. Uh, I have other businesses where we have to do insurance and the death rate of, of 15 people, 15 to 45 is 40 times higher. 
than what it's been before. And you kind of go, what? Oh, that's, that's a big number. And that's coming from, from the business world, not from me researching or anything. That's what they're telling me. So, you know, no, I don't, I don't back off of that statement at all. Um, you know, if people want to do the fact check thing and they just say it's nonsense, I know they've done that, but look for yourself. Uh, you know, don't believe me, don't believe them. Crowd health, your health is being bought and sold to the highest bidder. Politicians, hospitals, big pharma, and health insurance companies make huge profits at the expense of your health. That's why you need to see our friends over at Crowd Health. Crowd Health's technology puts your healthcare decisions back in your hands, saving you money and cutting out the middleman. It's not insurance, it's what insurance should be. Crowd Health is putting the community back in community healthcare. Pay one low monthly total to fund your account. That's less than $200 a month for most people. 100% of your monthly contribution directly funds and reduces the healthcare cost of the community. Unlike insurance, you're not limited by doctor networks. Go to, crowd, go to joincrowdhealth.com now and experience freedom from health insurance. Right now, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. That's almost 50% of the normal price and a lot less than a high deductible health care plan. Just go to joincrowdhealth.com and use promo code FEARLESS at sign up. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Term and conditions may apply. Go to joincrowdhealth.com, promo code FEARLESS, right now. All right, more John Stockton. Nerds. We must exist in a state of man glorious, as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. The, the other aspect of this, I think of your uh, hesitancy and, and just rejection of the vaccine, a lot of people believe, and particularly Catholics believe, that the development of the vaccines are tied to the fetuses of abortions. I know there's conflicting 
reports about that. Some studies say no. Some say, well, they were fetuses that were killed 50, 60 years ago. Some people say it's just a myth. But I've met a number of Catholics and just a number of faith-based people who believe that abortion fetuses were a part of, of the development of the vaccines. Is that also part of your objection? If it's true, for sure. Um, you know, I, and I've heard that. And for me, I, that's, that's another line in the sand for me is I, I can't believe that we, that we allow those in the first place and to allow them as a, as a device to develop a medication or as a device for anything else. I, I, but it's, it's, it's not only bad, but it's a slippery slope. So, um, you know, it's a tender subject to talk on. I know it puts people over the edge and I don't know if I want to, if I want to dig down into it, but, but clearly if that, if, if that's being used in any of these, it should be a deal breaker for, for anybody that believes with faith, like I do. And like, sounds like you do. Uh, John, the Pope has basically endorsed the vaccine. I'm wondering if you have a, a feeling about that. And, you know, just for the record and clear, I, I do agree with you and those people that are skeptical of the vaccines because of perhaps his connection to abortion. Uh, but it's not my interview. I've been saying this stuff for a long time. <laughs> but but I, what do you think about the Pope being a Catholic? What do you think about the Pope endorsing the vaccine? Well, it- you always wondered, am I getting, I told you about, I don't buy into the he said, she said stuff. I've heard that he said it. I've not heard the the Vatican publicly denounce that statement, you know, that, to say that it wasn't true. So based on that, I think they did. I think that the Pope did say it's very disappointing. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, I think he should have researched it more. Um, I think the church has been disappointing in a lot of ways throughout this COVID thing when the government shut down all the churches and said, hey, look, you're all done. I, I, I think that's the opportunity for all, all big churches, not just the Catholic church, to step up and say, no, we don't we don't play by that playbook. We're going to have church on Sunday. We're going to be there. If you're scared, don't come. You know, do your, you make your choices. But I think that was their moment to shine. And I think they've all pretty much across the board let us down. Now, that doesn't mean I, I I no longer see myself as a Catholic, doesn't or or less spiritual or less faith less faithful. I think we've got to fight for it a little bit, even within the church. So very disappointing the comment. I, I think it's harmful um, and in in massive way. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, all I can do it for my end is is saying what I'm saying is just keep battling through it. I'm, I'm not giving up my faith because because of a bad decision I'm on the part of our leader. I have a mind of my own and I have the right to think on my own. And um, that's what I'm doing. John, just having talked to you all fair in the week leading up to this interview, I, I know that you wear your faith a little bit differently in terms of you're going to be John Stockton, very dignified, carry yourself in a way and, and, and not be over the top with your expressions of faith. You're going to let your actions speak for you. Uh, this show is a little bit different, and I'm a little bit different because I think we're in such a 
unique, scary time that I think I feel compelled to wear my faith a little bit more on my sleeve. And I feel compelled when confronting someone who's uh, interviewing, engaging with someone who's had as much success in life as you have and have lived such an honorable life that I got to try to push you a little bit to talk about your faith and what role it has played in your success, because I think young people need to hear it. Young athletes need to hear it. Uh, because I think there's so much pressure to go secular and to avoid uh, having a biblical worldview and letting uh, your faith drive your decision making that if they don't hear it from us, the older people, and, and, and I think you're like at six foot one, 160 pounds, 170 pounds, I looked it up this morning. In 16 of the 19 NBA seasons, you played all 82 games, all 82 in a, in a, in a league that actually used to allow contact. And 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 so, I, and I know you were in great shape, but but there's a mental strength that comes with playing 82 games, 16 of 19 seasons, that to me has to come from someone like with some strong faith and, and some divine intervention and, and some power that, that supersedes human power. And so if you could, I would, and I know it's not your personality, you just try to live it and be the light that way, but I, I just think there's an opportunity to explain to athletes and other young people like, man, faith can really drive you to a level no one could anticipate. Yeah, I, I think it's inseparable, really. The, the um, growing up, I'll give you an example. My grandmother said a, a, a rosary over her crops. My mom grew up a farmer, so she said a rosary over her crops every year. Um, which I don't know if everybody knows what that is. It's a it's a big long prayer, if you will, and uh, never had never had it hailed out or frosted out once, not once. Um, now the brothers didn't have the my, her sons didn't quite have the same faith, and they took out insurance on the crops. But it never it never came to be, and so and I grew up with my with my mom and dad went to church every day, still gone to church every day until COVID myself, um, not every day, I'm sorry, every Sunday, and uh, you just can't and raised by and raised by the nuns once I went to school, so um, you can't separate that in terms of who you are, in, in terms of who I am. I mean, it's it's part of my car, it's part of every decision I make. It's and when I speak with my own children and they're starting to have children of their own, I, you cannot separate yourself from faith in God because you, you need, you're going to need that. Your children are going to need that. And as you mentioned, if you separate yourself from that, go secular and everything is just a matter of our own will and what we do, I, I think you're, you're not giving yourself a chance of happiness. You're not giving yourself a chance of, of um, getting help when you need it. Um, I mean, there's so much to it. As you, I mentioned when we talked, I'm not good at preaching. I'm not, I'm not a confident preacher. I have my beliefs. I think they're largely personal. Um, but it's, it's inseparable from my decisions throughout life. Well, honestly, what, what I see from afar, I mean, because I watched you play, uh, obviously, uh, I told you, you know, Isaiah Thomas is probably my best friend in the sports world. And so I can't say that I was a huge John Stockton fan back in you guys' playing days. But the respect 
for how you played, how often you played, what, again, and particularly now, I mean, these players today don't care about playing 82. And so I, I just think there's a philosophy you developed from your faith that impacted your playing career. And it was like, clearly there were some nights, particularly in this era, where you'd have been like, nah, I'm going to take this off. My knees hurt, this, that. But there was something about you that took pride in showing up and being reliable for your organization and your teammates every single game. Am I wrong about that? No, you're right about that. And you mentioned Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah and I, I, I came across him once in, once in high school at a tournament, and he absolutely changed my world. I didn't believe there could be a basketball player that that was good. And it literally changed my world. It, it, uh, he's been impactful for me, and I've told him so numerous times in my life, and we, in my life, and probably hated each other when we played against each other. I mean, that's, that's kind of the beauty of competing. And, and, you know, it was, no holds barred. I mean, it, they, these were fights, these were wars, and yet he's one of the guys I respect most out of my entire years of playing, and, and we weren't buddies. So, um, but yeah, as far as the 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 playing a lot of games, there is something I, I took every game as an as a privilege, um, as an honor. I, I, I've gone to other games and other sports, and the guy I wanted to go see because I heard great things about him was sitting out because it's a rest day. And I just don't get that. I mean, what if I, I've known people that have driven a day, a day and a half just to go see a player, their favorite player play one single game. And what if that's the game you sit out? Um, I mean, then there's the parts about just playing and being an honorable player. Part of the thing about finishing a season and, and, and a season and being hopefully a champion is that you've had to climb that mountain. If you take a month off to rest, have you really climbed the mountain? Have you really pushed your body to its to its most, or are you just taking that the elevator for, you know, 5,000 of the 20,000 feet or whatever. So I don't know, there's a lot to it. And, and, you know, certainly faith is in the back of that somewhere, but, uh, I wasn't missing games unless, you know, unless somebody was dragging me out of there. So, uh, it's really important to me to not let my teammates down. Um, you know, maybe that's the core of being an athlete is you just don't let your teammates down, which which involves being on the court itself, but also how you prepare yourself to be on the court and give your best every night. How's that for a long winded answer? I, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's good enough. John, I want to because we're going to break this interview up into two parts. We, we've kind of talked about you personally. I just want to talk some basketball with you. Uh, moving forward, I can't have someone that played in your era uh, and played at such a high level without just talking about the game of basketball, what you experience, what you see now. Uh, so this concludes part one of our interview with John Stockton. Uh, stick around and uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, uh, we'll have part two. Uh, so here's tomorrow. And me, you, and John Stockton will see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. Negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, 